Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today, I have an incredible guest on the show. I, it's somebody who I have admired incredibly for so many years. We had met before and we got reconnected through a mutual friend. She is a celebrated author, a public speaker, philanthropist, and top agent. Valerie Fitzgerald, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with me today. Hi, Michael. How are you? Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast today. Oh, it is my honor and pleasure to have you. And, you know, I'm so excited to speak to you, Valerie. It, it, you know, you run one of the top teams in the country, and you have, you've had this amazing career trajectory that I'm anxious to explore. But I actually want to start from the beginning. Can you tell our listeners how you got started in real estate? Yes, um, it's uh, an interesting story. I actually got started in real estate. I, I often say that real estate chose me. Um, my background and life experiences were, were very, very different than business or being in real estate. Uh, and I had many challenges at the time um, because I had a new baby and I was a baby by myself. And um, so after I moved from New York to Los Angeles uh, with my baby, I, was, I actually moved to work for a cosmetic company. And uh, that job fell through after four months. And I had my infant and a need to find a new career. And a friend suggested to me that I go into real estate. So what was I going to do? I had a, a baby to take care of, too. So I traded hours. I had a neighbor next door who I traded hours with. And um, I got my license at night. And um, I sort of bumped into my career that way. That's extraordinary. You know, it's always the idea that situational happenstance is usually where our roads lead. And to me, that's, I mean, you know, a similar thing happened to me. I was in banking for 10 years. And after 9-11, the whole, you know, risk management changed and everything changed. And I wanted to just get out of New York. And so I, uh, I had a home in East Hampton and then I was spending a lot more time in Florida. And it was through a series of circumstances that I got into real estate and never left. And so I think that that passion of a single mother that just needs to survive, there's, there's no safety net, right? So you just have to go do it. Right. And to you me, know, no was the opening of a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love because that's that's how I was raised. You know, my my dad was um, part of Batista's cabinet in in, in Cuba, and when he uh, got here, he was a political prisoner and was released during a prisoner exchange program in the Bay of Pigs. And so, you know, we never. Uh, we were raised with there is no safety net and it could all be taken away from you. So there's that drive that there you can't fail. And I think that that has certainly been one of the things that really resonated with you. You've had amazing success. So now you're in real estate. You start your career. Talk to me about the early days. Talk to me about how you started, how you actually went from having real estate be a job to your career? Well, 
there came a point, you know, all this is, of course, um, juggling, you know, having a, a baby and figuring all that out and, you know, driving late at night to go get diapers on sale and things like that. So, um, but at some point uh, in my career, you know, my first listing appointment, I've just posted it on Instagram. My first listing appointment was uh, an incredible story because I had this, this developer who gave me an opportunity to meet with him. And so I showed up at his office, but I didn't have a babysitter, of course. So I had, I went to the appointment and I walked up to the woman behind the desk and I had a baby, a diaper bag, a little briefcase with me. And as I was walking in the dorm, the heel of my shoe broke off. Uh, so I quickly popped my heels into my, the diaper bag and she says, well, he's waiting for you. So I'm walking down the hall with all this stuff, carrying it, get in front of him and, um, He's looking at me with all this stuff and <laughs> baby bottles in my pocket. And I'm doing it all while I'm looking in the eye. I'm talking to him about real estate, uh, to getting a bottle out of my pocket to feed her and all of that. He comes around the desk and at the end of the meeting and looks at me, looks down at my bare feet. And he looks up at me and I said, my shoe broke. And you see, nothing stops me. So that was my sort of first listing appointment. And as things started to grow and I started to – um, get become more successful and I was working we didn't have cell phones and we you know we we had computers but they we didn't have them we had them in the office there was one computer that everyone would share so there came a point in my career when I was kind of always falling behind uh, getting back to people um, uh, the first year of my career I decided I had to hire an assistant and I decided that by making a list of everything I didn't want to do and that, that was going to be her job. That's how I got her job description. <laughs> then um, then w once she became overwhelmed, then I hired a transaction coordinator. And when they both became busy, we were uh, missing a lot of ad deadlines, so I hired my own marketing director. And the more business I was doing, um, agents contacted me about joining my team. And so, therefore, sort of a team emerged. You know, I love that story because it's just, it says so much about you, right? The whole resilience and there's, I love the fact that you said that no was a conversation starter. That's how we started. And it's, uh, I always said, if they're still on the phone, it's not a no. If they're still talking to you, it's not a no. Right. And it's one of those things where, you know, you built this team organically. And I think that that's really important to point out you know i've spoken to some other guests on my show that have had teams and one of the really resonating uh viewpoints i think are the fact that it has to be organic because if you're just building a team for the sake of building a team and trying to build a brand it feels unauthentic right and who feels that the most is is the client but the, every single person that you added to your team was out of necessity because that's what your business asked for. And I right. think that's an incredible distinction when we talk about teams. I, I agree completely. I mean, there are people in our community that they call it a team and they've got, they just throw people on it, 60 people, 40 people, you know, and all of that. But it's, uh, that's not a culture and that's not a team for me. 
Um, everybody has a, a, something to do in a position. Now, of course, we have social media. Yep. I have a group that does my social media, I and mean, my team has evolved and changed. And, of course, out of necessity, what do we need to do next? What do we need to be a part of? What do we need to improve? What do we need to change? It's a constantly evolving conversation of change. We changed a lot during this whole COVID thing, uh, the way we were doing our internal uh, operations, but um, yeah, it's always changing and it's fun. Every day it it's is. fun. It's like something new. Okay, what are we doing today? <laughs> and it's that that agility, which is part of that success as well. I think you know, and so you know, so so let's go back to that. You touched on it for just a moment. So building really one of the top teams in the country is like running a corporation. You know, you talked about culture, and I'm curious how you actually do build that culture because this team has your name on it. So it's an extension of you. How do you build the culture within your team? How does that work? And I know you just mentioned that things change because of COVID and, you know, that type of being adaptable, but tell me a little bit about the culture of the Valerie Fitzgerald team. So, I think, <clears throat> I think you lead by example. I, I mm -hmm. think the culture of any business begins with the style of the leader. Um, I expect on my, on my team, I expect people to be on time. That's really important to me. Um, dress appropriately for, for a business environment. I expect them to give 100% of their attention to the position. Um, I, you know, I'm a creator and I welcome and love new creative ideas and um, we, we have a very friendly sharing sort of atmosphere. Um, I've had to hire and let go people who I felt weren't a fit and what image and message I felt that didn't or didn't represent me um, because after all this, it is my business. So I, it's like an example, I, re I recently had to let go a company that I started to work with and I really liked their ethic. I liked the way they worked. It was a marketing uh, sort of situation and uh, their ideas. And, but I had to let them go because the, their, the, they just didn't get the perspective of me, the image and perspective of my business. So it wasn't the right fit for me. But um, it's so interesting because the world is wide open. Mm -hmm. with ideas and things we can do and change and trajectory of our message and who we're reaching. And it's, 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 it's so different than it was 20 years ago. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's that idea of um, once we sort of get to a level, your level of creating a brand, it really is the culture, right? So you start thinking about mission statements of several brands and you know what, uh, that brand is supposed to make you feel, right? So when you see that little blue box with the, the white sort of ribbon, you'll, you feel this great anticipation, no matter what's inside. And so, well, maybe it does matter what's inside. But... It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but you still feel a certain way. Yeah. Um, so, it, but you're right. It is, it is that idea of creating a brand. Absolutely. So I'm curious from that, tell me then what you think three words that a client would use to describe your team. 
I think um, responsive because we respond very quickly and thoroughly and we're, we're always giving and, and providing information, whether it's market, the market, marketing, uh, new ideas, social platforms. Um, so I think uh, responsive is very important. I think knowledgeable. Um, I, I work in about 13 markets and can tell you what, you know, a million dollar, million dollars buys you or, you know, $10 million buys you or more, you know, in any one of these markets. Um, and I think trustworthy. I think that, you know, a lot of people work for me that know that their business isn't going to be all over the internet and it's not going to be discussed with um, really anybody. Even my marketing team doesn't know the details of my deals or, you know, what, what it is they're about. And so people like that privacy and that, um, that, you know, they, they trust me. They trust me with, you know, very important information. You know, that's, it reminds me of a story that, that I had. You know, I came from, from the private banking world before I got into real estate. And I had a client that was a Russian oligarch. And I had been dealing with him and he recommended a colleague of his or a friend of his. And this person called me and said, so-and-so asked me to call you. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. And so he said, is this Michael Valdez? I said, yeah, it is. And so they said, you don't know so-and-so? And I said, uh, no, I'm sorry, I don't. And so he says, I might have gotten the wrong number. And so I said, if you have any real estate needs, I'm happy to help you with them. And so uh, four minutes later, I get a, a call from my client that he had mentioned. And he said, my friend just called you and you said you didn't know me. Why did you do that? And I said, you never gave me permission to. And he said, oh my gosh. And he got him on the conference call whilst I was on the phone. And it was that level of trying to be respectful and having the trust of somebody who is on the Forbes list and, you know, has right. a, a large amount of, uh, of uh, vulnerability, shall we say. And it was that idea of being trustworthy, knowledgeable, and responsive, your three key words, that I think is the key for really anyone. And it's a great lesson to learn. It is, no question about it. Yeah, and I think that it just takes time. Everything takes yes. time. Right. You know, you can't rush this. You can't rush a career. You can't rush. It takes time, and especially when you're in real estate, it takes time to, to understand a client, to build a clientele, to learn about the marketing, to reach out to people, to, to build a relationship. This is a relationship business. 100%. 100%. It's that idea of coming in as a relational broker as opposed to a transactional broker. You never want to be the person that comes in just for the transaction. You want to be the one that's building that relationship. You want to deal with the client and then the client's children when it's time or the client's parents when it's time, right? And so, I have a family right now. Just I'm going to be yeah. with him this afternoon. I've been doing all their real estate, the parents, then the, the, those kids, and now their kids. I and love that. That's yeah, 22 years of you know, doing all their family transactions. That's the key. That's the goal. That's the goal for everyone that's listening is that it's the generational advisor because you're no longer a broker. You're an advisor to them. And that's really where everyone wants to get to. 
And Valerie, you know, you're a great mentor. You are a wonderful teacher. You care a lot about this industry and the success of others in the industry. You wrote a great book, Heart and Soul. By the way, I love that title. Thank you. <laughs> and you help others getting into the industry. I wonder what your single greatest piece of advice would be for someone entering the business today. Hmm. I think that newer agents or, or agents come to me and um, it's either, they always come at to me, it's, it's, they either want to talk about commission when they haven't earned anything um, or they want to talk about, or they or tell me I love beautiful homes or I want to help people. And none of those three things are, are a reason why I would hire anyone. Um, because money's not the reason why we do something. It is, there is a result, but you exactly. need a purpose. So it's like, what's your purpose? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing something? So in my opinion, that separates the successful and the unsuccessful, the people, you know, people in, in, their, in, their, in their desire to, to work. Um, so when I ask a new agent what they want, what, why they want to be in real estate, if they say, you know, to me, any of those things, oh, I love people, I want to I wanna help people, <laughs> I love beautiful homes, and by the way, what commission will you pay me, 80%, right. you know, <laughs> I'm like, I don't hire them. You're like, next, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So it's a little deeper than that, and the, because if you don't have a purpose, yes, the, every everybody has to have a purpose, not just in real estate. You get up in the morning and you have a purpose, whether it's a purpose, you know, when you're older, you're retired, you've got a purpose for, for in different other ways. But when you're in business and a career, you have a purpose. What are you doing this for? And we see a lot of these wonderful stories that of, of people that are appreciated are, are the, 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 in, since COVID, the, the healthcare workers and mm. the delivery people and people mm. get acknowledgement, but they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to stay in, in that business, but their purpose was to, to provide that link to the public, to provide that, that service. So we're, don't forget, real estate is also a service business. So, 100%, yep. you know, it's... Um, it's been an interesting time. I think people should have had a lot of reflection on what's your purpose? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because that's what creates the love for it. That's right. That's right. And still to this day, right? And it's, it's the idea of, I always say on this, on this podcast, sort of ad nauseum, you know, what's your why? You know, yeah. what's the mission statement of why you? You know, there's 1.4 million uh, members of NAR in the United States. Why should someone do business with you instead of the other 1.3 million and change? What's so different about you? What is, and, and, and that's so important because in that second that you're dealing with somebody, you're right, we're in a service industry. Why should somebody pick you to serve their needs? And by the way, I've been on appointments where the, the, the seller will say, well, everybody's great. Why you? <laughs> yes, exactly. They expect that. They expect that answer, yeah. right? 
And so, so, okay, so conversely, that's a great advice for someone entering. Now, conversely, what's the greatest lesson you've ever learned in your career? I think that we tend to talk too much. I think that we want to, you know, specific to real estate people, uh, agents, um, people that I know, you know, and including myself early on, uh, you want to impress people. Oh, I saw this house. I did that. I sold this. It's all about me. I'm number one. I'm this. I'm that. Um, I think what I, and I tell the, some of the agents when we have our meetings, you have to learn how to shut your mouth, how to be quiet, how to be a better listener mm. and learn when not to say something. Um, it's a, this is a really hard lesson to learn. So there are times, you know, when I want to bite my tongue off for having said something, you know, at a time, well, like showing a house. Oh, gee, um, I don't think this house is very good. Well, actually, I like it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not about me. It's not a, it's a, it's a, you have to learn it's about the client. So it's a really fine, you know, walk to, to learn, to learn the lesson about when not to say something, when not to talk. I think that's a valuable lesson. You know, it's the ratio of two ears, one mouth, right? <laughs> Used it proportionately. Right. Exactly. So, Valerie, you were the star of Selling L.A., and I'm certain the, the show continued to elevate your brand. But, you know, at the same time, once that happens and you have a greater audience, then it's a little bit more challenging, I would suspect, to protect your brand because you have a greater funnel of inquiry, right? So how did you, how did you sort of face that challenge? You know, I've thought about this because um, Selling LA was a wonderful experience. It was more uh, HGTV um, did the show, and they do things differently than, let's say, another network of Bravo yes, and right. so forth. So, um, and they're more about uh, the honesty and in the show. So everything that we did on the show had to be real, real conversation, a real transaction, a real showing. None of it could be sort of scripted or made up. Um, so the branding, the branding was a really good, interesting thing. And I got interesting questions and, um, and doing the show before that I was doing a show called entertainment tonight. I was the real estate correspondent for, for that show for oh, terrific. So the branding was always there for your name recognition and, and, but I never felt, I, I never felt that I lost my brand in doing that show. Um, and I felt that. The, the, the people, my, my daughter happened to be on the show at the time. She's not in real estate now, but um, I think everyone who was on the show, who was on my team actually kept um, a very good, solid level of our brand uh, and, and being authentic. I think today it's different. Our show is not controversial enough. Right. We were not doing the fighting and the cursing and the, you know, all that kind of stuff, the drama uh, that tends to be the shows that are on today. Um, so I think that you, you lose the brand in that controversy. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, maybe they're, they're getting more deals and people like it and that's the culture today, but it isn't my culture. Yep. It's the idea of keeping your integrity, your brand, the culture that you built and protecting that. I love that answer. Thank you for that. 
And, you know, I want to shift now a bit to your philanthropic efforts. You are the co-founder of Children Uniting Nations, which helps foster children get adopted. And, you know, that, that really just resonates with me. Anything having to do with kids, it's just, I, I, I am just so there. Could you share with our global audience a little bit about that? I'd love to get more exposure to your incredible efforts on this. Well, I spent about 15 years when we kind of did grassroots, when we founded this charity uh, as a grassroots effort, um, working with foster kids and kids from homeless shelters. Wow. Um, so the last three of those years, I'm no longer working on that board, um, it, you know, as things evolve and change and all of that. But um, I, what I have been doing is is uh, my interest became the the girls the girls in group homes well the emancipated girls the girls that at 18 they have to leave the foster care system um so my my daughter myself and some friends we a couple of friends we would go to these um group homes for these girls about to be emancipated uh, for Thanksgiving and Christmas and take them the full dinners and I would make the gift bags for Christmas and you know makeup and hair things and things like that and we would spend a couple of hours with them and talk to them to be an ear for them um, they would ask me all kinds of questions about life and business and you know talk about their fears and it was a, a very I goosebumps telling you the story because mm. it was uh, such a meaningful time and it it's such a, you know, little kids are protected until the system is you're 18. And then you're it, by the state, you have to, you have to leave. Yeah. So that always really concerned me because um, what happens next to them, I've had a couple of them uh, intern with me in a summer, you know, just doing some filing and things and, you know, things like that. So um, I, I, I often have interns. I've had international interns. Um, I have a, a, an agreement with uh, a, a company that I get so, South Korean interns for the summer. So it's uh, kind of my, I'm kind of the international little group where you know, interns kind of people come and they go and they learn and, and, and I learn from them. Um, but getting back to, to uh, the charity. Um, so this was, this has been, you know, anything to do with children really mm-hmm. just gets into my heart. Um, so this was a very, very important time um, in, in, in doing this and seeing what goes on. And, um, you know, not all of it is, you know, roses, as you can imagine. We used to do events where we take over the Santa Monica Pier and uh, we would we call the Day of the Child. So we would match a child with uh, a volunteer and then they would take that child around for the day on the pier to all the rides and oh. all the different things and we'd have food stands and we'd have usually a uh, a hip-hop show in the parking oh. lot and you know a, and some of these kids had never seen the ocean before wow yeah so it was it's been a it's been a long journey with that particular charity and but now i'm involved as you know with uh the cedar sinai hospital here now and uh you know, I've kind of gone on to supporting that group. Valerie, you are an amazing, amazing human being. I'm so glad to know you. And what you do is is so special. You 
you give back. I mean, it's, it's what it's all about. It's, it's your full circle and you're, you're genuine and you're real. And it is such an honor to really have this conversation with you to be able to just share your story, your tenacity, your vision, and the way that you give back and your mentorship it, it, it really is just so wonderful to know you. And I thank you so, so much. Michael, it's really a pleasure to have this beautiful conversation with you this morning. And I really appreciate that you uh, thought of me, uh, that we connected and we could have this conversation to share with others. And um, I hope to see you one day soon. It's been a few I, years. It, it has been. I hope to see you very soon as well. And again, thank you for taking the time, Valerie. And thank you, all of you, for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.